Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Welcome back, everybody. We're now in our regular Thursday slot, and I'd like to welcome Jeremy Sampson, the brand father, back into the studio. Now, Jeremy, offline, we have been chatting about the sort of what's been going on in the last week. And one of the things that we can both agree on is the personal branding is, was front and center. And most specifically, the, the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, NFL branding and the Super Bowl phenomenon. I understand that the Super Bowl was the most what not only the most watched Super Bowl um, ever, but the viewership actually rivaled the viewership of the first landing on the moon. Good evening, Dawn. Good evening, listeners. Yes, I saw that as well. It was absolutely amazing. Now, a week ago, we were actually talking about what was coming down the line, and we weren't disappointed, were we? You know, Taylor Swift got back from Japan, no surprise there. And then uh, her partner's team in overtime managed to win. So that gave them a great photo opportunity um, to be shown on screen. As you say, viewership went through the roof. Everyone, I think, is very, very happy, apart from a, a certain family who had a box just in front of Taylor Swift, I believe. Yes, uh, I understand the, the Kardashian clan had a box uh, right in front of them. Now, when you consider that those boxes cost in the region of $2 million, one would think that you would be a little bit engaged in the process. But if you see photographs and, and video of them, they they had a dress code. They were all in black and gray, which is like great, awesome. But they also were all on their phones and looked incredibly bored. And perhaps more importantly, from a branding perspective, is that CBS and, and AESPN and other commentators out there skipped over them. They didn't get the airtime, you know, whereas you've got the um, Taylor Swift slash Kelsey box, which was all red and white, which is the the Kansas City Chiefs colors, um, you know, having a royal party and, you know, getting into the entertainment mood. Um, it's, it's no wonder that brand, you know, conservatively, I mean, we were talking last week about the brand you know, the Taylor Swift ad addition to the NFL being in the region of 250 million, it is now well over 350 million. Absolutely. And it shows you the power of television and who they're going to focus on and the story they're going to focus on. Now, I think everyone knows now that Kansas won. I almost feel sorry for that San Francisco side, the 49ers, who were also playing. And it went to extra time and they just lost. Um, but um, it shows the power of the celebrity. Um, and as you say, at the moment, when one looks around the world, it's almost as though celebrities are more important than anything else. And certainly um, hogging a lot of the limelight, whether it's politicians or individuals or whatever. Uh, but I guess the queen of the whole thing at the moment is Taylor Swift. Absolutely. And just sort of building on that, she's you know, now in Australia and is going to be doing a fairly long run in Australia and then is going through to Singapore. But, uh, you know, the thread that is common in all of this, and if you listen to Travis Kelsey's podcast at any time, it's the, the family values that they're trying to bring into this equation, which I find extremely interesting. You know, it's, you know, it's not been the done thing to do, especially at that sort of celebrity level where you much more used to them, you know, getting into trouble and, you know, having to do PR control and those kind of things. 
And, um, you know, going back to the Kardashians, I mean, you and I were talking about it. The fact that Caitlyn Jenner, um, who has now got an estimated worth of well north of 100 million rand dollars, it is now throwing her hat into the ring for the um, governorship of California. It is fascinating. Um, just coming back to those those values, you know, with any brand, you want to differentiate, you want to be different. And I think as we're finding in the United States at the moment, it's pretty toxic. You know, the politics, the partisanship, um, you know, when you hear that um, of all the people who don't want to vote, either Republican or Democrat, of the entire electorate, it's now sitting, I think, at a figure of about 43% of the population aren't happy with either side. So to tap into ordinary family values, um, which let's face it, you know, um, is almost unique at the moment. You know, perhaps 20 years or so ago, that was the way to go. But we've swung in so many different directions that to come back to that, moving back into the center, I think is a very smart, clever move. And I think others will try and follow it as well, but we shall see. But at the moment, they're taking that high ground. You know, when it comes to politics, and I mean, I think my my views on Donald Trump are very well known, and you would just have to take one look at my face in, a, in the conversation that we're having to know exactly what I think of that man. But at the end of the day, we've now got two octogenarians fighting to become president. And, you know, Donald Trump's only two years younger than, than Biden. Um, and now cognitive skills and things like this are starting to, you know, come into the question. And it just seems like from an American perspective, it's not I am going to be I'm pro Biden. I'm going to be voting for Biden. It's that I'm not going to be voting for Trump. And so therefore, I'm going to hold my nose and vote for Biden. I think you could be right on that. I find it's interesting, though. I think we've got to dig deeper because increasingly I'm seeing now people like Mitt Romney saying that a lot of his Republican colleagues whilst in public, are supporting Trump still. Why? Quite bluntly, because they're scared of what he can do to them and electorate. A lot of them behind the scenes are extremely worried about his antics and what he's doing and have been worried for some time. But, of course, he's he's revving things up. Now, after all, only this week where he says to Putin, um, be my guest, you know, invade anywhere you long, because they're not actually paying their dues to NATO or to America. And, you know, it almost beggars belief that someone who has been a president and could be president again, let's face it, is saying things like that. You know, I think people, not just in the States, but around the world, are realizing that come November, we could be, well, the world almost could be in an absolute state of shambles. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, um, you know, there was obviously shock and outrage right across the the world on the left, mostly on the right. They just, you know, oh, it's just Donald Trump and, you know, don't take him literally, you know, and all the, you know, the same stuff that we heard in the last um, campaign and when he was president and everything else is, you know, he, he doesn't mean what he says. But, you know, to say something like that and to cozy up to Putin and interestingly, also last week, and I don't know whether you got to see it, Jeremy, um, Fox News, who have always been pro-Trump, 
had their one of their little, you say he's a very well-known anchor, go and do an interview with Putin. Did you manage to see that? I did see a bit of it. And I think he was uh, tagged uh, Putin's favorite idiot, <laughs> Mr. Carlson. Yes, Mr. Carlson. But I think he's Putin's second favorite idiot. The other one has orange hair. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a very interesting world that, that we live in. And, you know, obviously it's been very interesting to watch our broadcasters try not to play the ageism, you know, trick with, you know, what's going on with Biden and Trump, despite the fact, you know, that there are some glaringly obvious cause for concern on for, with both of them when it comes to cognitive abilities. You know, do we, well, do we just hope yeah. that Biden lives long enough to get elected and what happens after that, you know, is beside. I mean, there's a lot of talk about bringing Michelle Obama in, which I think would be a brilliant idea. I think he should have made her vice president anyway. But well, that's me. I, yeah. I saw one of the commentators who'd been very involved with Obama. I think he had been one of the communications chiefs in the White House. And he was asked this question on one of the channels I was watching, I think at the weekend. And he said, Michelle Obama, she hates politics. She was only ever there because of her husband. And she played along as the good wife, but she will never, ever come back in. And he then said, and I believe the Bolshoi Ballet is coming to Washington at the end of the year. If they come, I'll go on stage and wear a leotard. And of course, everyone burst out laughing. But he said, really, no, it's not going to happen. But to come back to that, you know, once the candidate is chosen, they have to choose a vice president. And I have to say, in Biden's last four and a half years, whatever it is, his vice president has been almost out of sight. And to me, and I think a lot of people, that's been very, very disappointing. Um, you need a strong vice president. You know, we've seen in the past that Kennedy had Johnson. And when Johnson, after the assassination, took over, he was a strong president. Whereas the fashion over the last, I don't know, decade or so, has been to choose people who aren't the strongest. Mind you, having said that, of course, Biden was one of those. Um, and who is he going to choose? Is, is he going to stay with her or not? And then, of course, the question is, who does um, Mr. Trump choose as well? And especially now, as you say, people getting up to, what, 78 and 80, 81, you need to make sure that there is a very strong number two because the chances of them being medically sidelined, and I'm being polite here, um, are getting higher by the day. And you know, I think it's sad to see um, President Biden uh, shuffling around, speaking very slowly. Um, he shouldn't be there. That's my view. And I think that's the view now of the majority of people. I think he's been a good man, depending which way you want to look at it. And that's debatable, of course, but not going on. But of course, there's no alternative. Yeah. And as you say, people like you have said, well, what about Michelle Obama? Um, but is she enough of a politician? Because now this is where Lyndon Johnson was a crafty old fox of a politician. No, he was perfect for Kennedy because he just um, managed things in the Senate and the House, allowing uh, Kennedy to go out and grandstand and communicate, which, of course, he was so good at. You know, talking talking about brands and medical in, infirmness and this kind of thing, 
What about the brand, the Sussex brand? To me, that is going to be a massive case study in destroying a brand. Up until now, it's destroying the brand. I don't know if there's any coming back from it. Do you have any feelings about that sort of the brand of the royal family and royalty and the Duke and Duchess of Sussex? Um, and also, you know, obviously with Charles now having been diagnosed with cancer, you know, he may not have as long a reign as his mother did. Well, he's never going to have a reign as long as his mother, but it, it may not be the sort of 20 years that we might have expected before. Well, I think the House of Windsor is in a state of crisis. Um, you know, after all, Queen Elizabeth reigning for such a long time and through so many generations. Um, and then, you know, we've been talking about two American politicians where in the 70s and 80s. Well, he's what, mid-70s, as I recall. 70s. And, um, you know, as you say, how much longer? Um, and then does it drop down to a younger Prince of Wales, and there is his brother, Sussex. And I think, it, to be honest, I'm just watching with great, great interest because they're breaking new ground. The way Prince Harry has been going after the media in the British courts and going after the Daily Mirror especially um, with huge vigour um, has been, I think, quite strange for the royal family because normally they wouldn't ever get involved in that. I guess some people are thinking back to, was it, King Edward and uh, the Duke of Windsor. Um, that's the last time we had something of this nature going on. But I think the British royal family, like royal families all around the world, have often got much too large, and they're having to cut back on those that are receiving um, some sort of, is the word, stipend um, from the estates and from the money and from the country, um, but also making sure that it's hardworking. After all, the Princess Royal has now been roped back in, and apparently she is just about the most loved member of the royal family. But she also is surely in her mid-70s as well, just a fraction younger than Charles. And uh, so she's been roped back in as well. So I think they're in a bit of a state of a crisis, and it's going to be interesting to see how they manage it. And of course, the Sussexes bouncing around on the fringes is probably not going to be helpful. And then, of course, there's Prince Andrew. Absolutely, there's Prince Andrew. But from a brand perspective, the royal family is worth, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a billion or so pounds to the to the UK economy. And that can't be just sort of, uh, you know, that's fine, we'll just do what the Dutch did or, you know, go back to what the Bells have got and have a sort of a minor royalty family hanging around. I mean, it's, you know, this is the largest, the most powerful royal family left in the world and so i mean it's not something that you can just just bypass but you know it's these these brands that are orientated around people that are just so interesting because people are unpredictable and and people have emotions you know companies don't have emotions and so yes they do make mistakes but people are much more likely to you know because they're on view you know 100% of the time you know open their mouths and say things that you know get end up in trouble and end up you know damaging their brand anyway jeremy it's been an absolute delight as always chatting to you on this thursday thank you very much thank you dawn and thank you to your listeners good night good night classic business with michael avery sponsored by alex forbes for insight advice and impact